Hi, I'm Maria Imes. I'm an executive coach, and this is Try This at Home. I'm opening up my executive coach's playbook to share tips and techniques I use with my clients so that you can use them at home with your kids. These coaching strategies work well with high-level executives, and they work really well for helping you keep the lines of communication open with your tween and teen. So in this podcast, you'll learn practical coaching strategies that you can put into place right away that will help you strengthen your relationship. Hi, everyone. Today's the day. We're finally able to go into the house. You're going to get some closure on what's going on with Lisa and Ollie. If you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you go back and listen to the other podcasts. But today is all about entering into that coaching or that problem-solving conversation with your kid. Remember, the first part of the coaching conversation is the invite. And there are three parts to that. We've hit all three parts except for the last one. Listen, open, and ask. And this analogy that I'm using of going to someone's house for the first time, knocking on the door, and then being invited inside mirrors what happens when you invite someone into a coaching conversation. The listening is you're outside of the house. The open is you're knocking. You might not have to knock a few times, knock in different ways to be invited in. And now we're in the house. We can ask our questions. Asking questions to begin that problem solving conversation takes a little bit of nuance. And there are three things that I think about when I pose a question. The only acronym I could come up with to help you remember this is old. So maybe that resonates. We are older than our kids, maybe wiser in some cases, but here's what it stands for. The O stands for make sure your questions are open-ended. The L is pay attention to the language you use. And the D is be mindful of your delivery. All right, so let's get into it. So you're in close proximity, you've paused, you've paraphrased, you've gotten a sign off from your kid, you're ready to move into this coaching conversation. So you ask a question. And what we know is the first thing is, it's gotta be a question that is open-ended. And what I mean by that is the answer It's hard to give one word for the answer. That's the way I like to look at open-ended questions because there are some very clear close-ended questions. For instance, is everything okay with school? You're going to get a yes or no. We know that. Did you have a good day? Yes or no. However, there's not a magic bullet here. So you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll just change the first word of these questions. Well, how about this one? How was your day? What do you get? Fine. (laughs) So even if we're like, well, that's not going to work. We want to make sure that we're asking questions that it's hard to give a one word answer to. I have three questions that I usually use in this situation. Now, they don't always work. Sometimes they're not right in the flow of the conversation, but maybe they could be helpful for you. And those questions are, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? And what's your plan? Those are pretty vague, pretty open-ended. The answer 
You usually just can't be one word. Now, they don't always work, but I find that they're open enough where my kid or other kids can engage in a way that unsticks their thinking and we can move into like the core of the coaching conversation. You might remember that I didn't ask Mia any of those questions in our last conversation. I asked her something different, which was, what are some of the things that you're worried about? So if you listen to that question, it doesn't suggest a one-word answer. She almost has to engage and offer up some of the things that are on her mind, some of the things that she's worried about when it's coming to finals. So this is where Lisa and I spent some of our time in our conversation, which was coming up with questions that Ollie couldn't give one-word answers to. You might remember that she was paying attention to his behavior. She noticed something and realized that he wasn't acting like himself. And then she was going into the house, like going in there and saying, hey, is everything okay with school? Is everything okay with sports? And she was getting shut down. Yes, yes, everything's fine. And she wasn't satisfied with that. She knew that there was something going on. Lisa and I brainstormed, and we came up with two questions that she was going to try out in her conversations with Ollie. Now, she was going to not barge into the house. She wasn't just going to ask these questions out of the blue. She was going to wait until they were already talking about something that was related so that she could then get a sense of what might be going on with him. So the two questions we came up with were, what are some of the best things about school? And then what are some of the harder things? And we created this contrast to see if we could tease out, here are the things that might be going well for him. And here are the things that might be a struggle. And that's what she was really interested in. Is there something going on in school? So school, that was another very deliberate move that we made because school can encompass a lot of things. It can encompass friends, sports, the actual school itself. We wanted it to be as broad as possible. So she had these questions in her back pocket. Here's what happened. Lisa and her husband and Ollie were leaving a sports function. Ollie's in the backseat of the car. It's dark and they're driving home. So already we've got great proximity going on. And they're talking about the sports function, how fun it was, and Ollie was contributing to the conversation. And Lisa took this as the opportunity to ask that first question. What are some of the best things about school? The timing was right. So she posed it. And here's what happened. Ollie from the back seat said, nothing. Nothing is going right in school. And it was like, what? Whoa. So even though we had crafted this question to try to elicit, here are the great things that are going on around school and we think we're not going to get a one word answer. The answer she got was nothing. So she checks in the rear view mirror and she sees Ollie's eyes tearing up. Now I want to pause here. Nobody likes to see their kids cry, but this is such an indication of there is a major shift about to happen. And so 
Very gently, she pressed on and said, well, what are some of the harder things? And then we had the floodgates open. And he's really upset. And he all of a sudden starts sharing with her what's bothering him so much about school. It just all came tumbling out. And so this moment, this proximity that she created, it was really safe. It was a car ride. It was dark. He was in the back seat. There was not sustained eye contact. He let her know what was going on. And so by the time they got home, she was ready to move him into the problem-solving part of the conversation. And there was so much buy-in from him because he was the one that shared it. He was the one that finally came clean and was sharing things that were on his mind. And they were able to work through that tough conversation together. I also want to call out Lisa's patience in this whole process. It wasn't like she and I had this conversation on a Tuesday and this conversation with Ollie happened that next day on the Wednesday. There were like a few weeks in between and she waited. And that's the thing with the invite into a coaching conversation. You are always going to have more opportunities to engage your child. So if you knock on the door and they don't want to let you in, that's okay. You can leave. And I mentioned that before. Just try to keep gently knocking because if it's the right time, you're going to get a response like that. They'll engage with you. They'll let you in. And then you can really work through that problem together. The second tip for asking questions is to pay attention to the language that you're using. Now, you might have picked up on this or maybe you didn't. But what's really important, and this is a total, total coaching move, is to suggest that there's more than one answer to the question. So the way that I do that is I make sure that things are in plural form. What do I mean by that? Listen to these questions. Here's the one I asked Mia. What are some of the things that you're worried about? Things. Here's what Lisa asked Ollie. What are some of the best things about school? What are some of the harder things? The plural things is deliberate. So think about if I had asked Mia, what are you worried about? Is very different. That is very different than what are some of the things that you're worried about? So paying attention to your language and putting in plural forms indicates to the person who's listening that there's more than one answer. That's a possibility. And what it does for someone is it keeps thinking going. So I mentioned earlier, I, I talk about this like unsticking thinking. As coaches, as parents, we want to unstick thinking. And this is one way that we can keep somebody's thinking going. When we suggest that there's only one answer, thinking shuts down. And what this also does for you is it ensures that you're not indicating to your child that you know the answer and they have to guess what it is. Has anybody asked you a question before and you're like, I know that you have the answer in your head and you're waiting to see if I answer what you have on your mind. That's like a trap. So by using these plural forms, I also use a lot of tentative language. What might, 
you want to do moving forward? What may that look like? It really softens what the ask is and helps somebody's thinking continue. The final tip for asking questions is paying attention to your delivery. In an earlier podcast, I said, as coaches, we're not detectives, we're not private investigators. And that idea transfers over into the way that we ask questions. We are not cross-examining the witness here. This is not an interrogation. You want to adopt curiosity when you ask these questions. You genuinely want to come from a place of, I don't know what the answer is. I'm very curious as to what you're thinking. So when you truly ask a question from this lens, your voice has a certain melody to it. It sounds something like this. What are some of the things you're worried about? It ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. And that sort of inflection is very inviting. It's very different if I had a different tone. If I made it sound more like a statement or was more harsh and direct. So you wanna make sure that your delivery suggests that you're curious, that you don't have the answers, and you're ready to listen. Something you might've noticed in the last podcast is that there's this very lovely dance between paraphrasing and asking questions. So I paraphrased Mia twice, then I asked a question, she answered, and then I paraphrased her again. This is something that you can do. It's in your toolbox now. When you ask a question and you get an answer, try paraphrasing that answer. Because remember, you're, are we on the same page? Are we on the same page? And you don't want to move too quickly with your questions. Think about it on the flip side. When you get a lot of questions coming at you, all of a sudden that can put you on the defensive. So you want to move. You want to tread a little lightly into the coaching conversation. If you feel like You asked a question and you didn't get anywhere. That's fine. Just go back to knocking on the door. Paraphrase again where you were and then try another question. And just be thinking to yourself, what kind of question would be challenging to give a one-word answer? Am I using plural forms? And how is my delivery? Am I coming at it with curiosity? We're heading into the holiday season, and so I'm going to be taking a pause from the podcast while I'm on a winter break, enjoying my kids, and we'll pick up after the break with moving into the coaching conversation. And this gives you some time to practice some of the things that we've gone over, the listening, the paraphrasing, and asking questions. Speaking of the holiday season, I was just given a little bit of a gift from my friend Lisa. The other day, Lisa called me and on her way home from something else, apparently this is where we do our chatting, a lot of our chatting. And she was like, oh my gosh, I had this huge learning moment. So sometimes we forget that we are somebody's kid too. And a lot of us still have parents who are around A lot of us still talk to our parents and engage in conversations with them. And Lisa was telling me that she just had this crappy day, this like horrible day. There was so much going on with all of the kids. And she called her dad or he called her something like that. 
And and she was kind of explaining to him what was going on. And he jumped into the house. He literally like flung the front door open, jumped into the house and started telling her what to do and where to go and asking questions. And she was like, oh my gosh, I just want you to listen. I, ju- I don't need you to solve the problem. And she came away from that and was like, oh my gosh, I see what's happening here. This relationship that I had with my parent has informed how I can interact with my kids. And I realized in that moment that all I wanted my dad to do was to listen to me. Just like in a lot of cases, that's all I want. That's all my kids want. They just want someone to listen. And we're so quick to rush in because we want to help. And I was like, it's so true. The intent is usually so pure. We want to help. We do. But we we rush in, we barge in. And that's not always the best move. And so she was able to call her dad back and say, you know what? I appreciate you coming up with solutions for me, but I, I just wanted you to listen. And he understood that. I was like, this is, this is very full circle. This is all coming together. But think about your own conversations that you have with your parents. And you can see how some of these patterns play out when you're parenting your kid. And this is not good or bad. It's just something to be aware of and to notice. Because a lot of times, all we want someone to do is listen to us. And sometimes that is enough. That's really enough to set your kids on their own problem-solving journey by themselves. So with that, if you look at your parenting tips toolbox, hopefully you've got a lot of different things that you can try out. I use these strategies all the time with my clients. I use them with kids. I use them at home. And I want to encourage you to also try this at home. 